Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Caleb was a man who wholly followed the Lord. God had given him a promise of land 45 years prior, and now he was going to claim it. Caleb's passion for the Lord sustained his faith through all those years and allowed him to be an example to all of Israel. Part two of Cheryl's message titled, Waiting on the Promises of God. After seeing the promise and coming so close to all that God promised, he was deferred from the promise. It was put off. Now, I know what that feels like because I was part of a Girl Scout troop. I was always citizen of the month. I went to public school. I was always citizen of the month. I got that. I I had so many certificates. My mom's like, oh, another one. I just loved all my teachers. I wanted to please them. I sat in the front row. Yeah, one of those types with my hand folded. And if she said it's math time, I was like, yay, math. If she said it was science time, yay, science. You know, history, yay, history. You're the best teacher in the whole wide world. And I'm in it. I loved all my teachers. I even loved the one that was so mean who looked like a turtle. I loved her. You know, and I just, these are teachers. And I remember I was part of this really naughty Girl Scout troop. Really naughty. They would say, we're all going to go to Disneyland. And then it'd be, we can't go to Disneyland because you're not cooperating. You're not doing anything we say. So all our privileges kept being revoked. Nothing happened that they promised because of, and I can still remember their names, the girls who revoked all of our privileges. So all we got to do, which was a privilege, was make cookies for the men serving in Vietnam. And so every time we come, we're like, this is it, more cookies. I finally just started paying my dues and not showing up at the meetings. I was the only one who was current with my dues, but I'd just be like, no, because we don't get to do anything in that troop. Just take my dues. Or remember when you were in school, this is going to be going way, way back. For me, it's like 50 years. But I remember being in class and we were waiting. You know how you just would watch the clock like it's almost time to go home. And you're so excited when school is finally over. And then the teacher would be like, you have been uncooperative. You know, you these kids that have been talking. Now everybody has to put their heads down and stay at their desk. And I'm keeping you 15 minutes over time. And you'd just be like, no, no. And, you know, I remember being eight years old still to this day. And the teacher keeping us 15 minutes over time. And all I could think of was my mother in the car waiting for me going, where is my Cheryl? Will she never be out of class? 
You know, did she get kidnapped? And, you know, I knew my mom was a worrier and she'd be concerned. And by the time, I mean, the teacher during that 15 minutes had to come over and comfort me because I was sobbing so hard. My desk was all wet. And she's like, Cheryl, it's okay. But I try so hard to be good. And my mommy's in the car and she's going to think I'm dead. No. So I got to get out. But Caleb had to deal with all of those factors. And he even had distractions that came between himself and God's promise. Because we know that the girls in Midian came in with their idols and seduced the young men of Israel. So that many of them were slain before they could even cross the Jordan River. There were also distractions. But Caleb continued to believe and strengthened himself in faith until that day, 45 years later, when he walked up to Joshua and claimed the promise of God. What was the secret of Caleb's sustained faith? How how did he sustain this faith through all of these deterrents and distances and delays and detractors, distractions, disappointments? How did he do it? Well, we're told five times in the scripture that Caleb wholly followed the Lord. We're told in Numbers 14, 24, Caleb Holy followed the Lord. We're told it again in Numbers 32, 12, that Caleb wholly followed the Lord. We're told in Deuteronomy 1, 36, that Caleb wholly followed the Lord. We're told in Joshua 14, 9, that Caleb wholly followed the Lord. We're told again in Joshua 14, 14, that Caleb wholly followed the Lord. Why do you think we're told that? Because he wholly followed the Lord. Because it was true. This was the outstanding quality of Caleb's life. This distinguished him from all of his peers, from the fellow spies, with the exception of Joshua, from the other men of Israel. This was the distinguishing quality of Caleb's life. Had he received the promise right away, would he be able to demonstrate this faith? Would anyone else know that Caleb wholly followed the Lord? Would it be exemplified to Israel? Would Israel learn what it looked like to wholly follow the Lord? No, God used all of those factors to show the quality of Caleb's faith. That it was a faith that was passionate. That it was a faith that was persevering. That it was a faith that was permanent. He wholly followed the Lord. It was a faith that was not presumptuous. This quality so characterized his life that it sustained him. It sustained him through drought and deterrence and discouragement and distractions and wars and battles. It was a faith that strengthened him so that instead of aging, Instead of growing weaker, he became stronger and stronger and stronger while he waited for the promise. He, it strengthened him. And again, it singled him out. It distinguished him. Caleb embraced the promise, endured through to the promise, invoked the promise of God, 
and enjoy the promise of God. In Joshua chapter 14, the chapter begins with Joshua and Eliezer, the priest, allotting the conquered land to the remaining nine and a half tribes of Israel. As you remember, Gad, Reuben, and half of Manasseh already got theirs on the other side. But now it's time for the other nine and a half tribes. Again, no allotment is given to Levi because they are to be spread throughout Israel to keep up the spiritual morality and worship of the whole nation. Allotments are chosen by lots, and this would be rocks that would be marked and cast out, and then they would count or reckon with the rocks. And this was a way that no one could say there was prejudice or bias, that they would know that it was the Lord, as it says in Proverbs 16.33, that the cast of the lot, what the lot determines, is determined by the Lord. But as the land is about to be divided, As it's starting, as there's this casting of lots, Caleb, along with the whole tribe of Judah, approached Joshua at the camp of Gilgal. Notice that he is leading. Behind him is the whole tribe of Judah. Caleb, at 85, is a passionate leader. He followed the Lord, and guess what? Now others are following him. You see, when we wholeheartedly follow the Lord, others will follow. Others will imitate. Others will copy. Others will want what we, what we are passionate about. And now we see that the whole tribe is unified behind Caleb, passionate about the promise. Caleb has a request and a reminder for Joshua. Caleb wants the mountain that he saw when he first spied out the promised land. He wanted it when he first saw the promised land. He saw this promise and he said, I want that promise. Oh, that's good. I like the fruit there. I like those grapes. I like those pomegranates. Caleb can cite the occasion, the time, When he was 40 years old, the person who spoke it to him, Moses, where he was at Kadesh Barnea, the exact wording of the promise that was given him. Again, Caleb remembered his age, 40. He remembered the place, the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh Barnea. He remembered what he saw. He remembered what he reported and how he reported exactly what he felt. It was straight from his heart. He remembered what happened and he remembered word for word what Moses had said to him. Joshua 14, six through nine. He says, you know the word which the Lord said uh, to Moses, the man of God concerning you, Joshua and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses spoke on that day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. He was 45 years old and 45, sorry, 40 years, 
45 years ago, Numbers 13, the occasion and his age, we remember that Israel was on the border of the promised land. Again, they were camped at the wilderness of Paran, and Caleb was chosen as one of the 12 men, each man representing a tribe in Israel. They are given specific instructions by Moses, verses 17 through 20 of Numbers 13. They are to go up a certain way, this way, into the south, and they are to go up to the mountains, and they are to see what the land is like, and they are to look at the people who dwell in it and measure whether they are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not, and they are to be of good courage and bring back some of the fruit of the land." because it was the time of grapes. Caleb and the others follow Moses' instructions, Numbers 13, 21 through 25. So they go up, they spy out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab, near the entrance of Hamath, and they went up through the south and came to Hebron. They came to this very place. But while they were at Hebron, they saw Ahiman, Shishai and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, they saw these three giants, the sons of Anak. After this, they went to the valley of Eshkol and cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes and carried it between two of them on a pole. And they also brought pomegranates and figs. And they returned after 40 days back to the camp at Kanish Barnea with the grapes with the pomegranates, with the figs. Caleb and Joshua had been excited about everything they saw, and they brought back a good report, speaking with the excitement and the passion and the faith in their heart. They showed all Israel the fruit and the quality of the fruit they had found. Then they told them, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites also dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Caleb then addressed the people in Numbers 13.30. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Oh yeah, there are fortresses. Oh yeah, the people are totally strong. They're giants. No problem for God. See, Caleb could look at all those deterrents and say, what are they against God? What are they against God? But the detractors then spoke. We are not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we. We can't go up against fortresses and forests and giants. They gave a bad report to the people of Israel. The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in are men of great stature. There we saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in their sight. You see, when you wholly follow the Lord, you have a wholly different perspective on everything. You see the gift and the greatness of what God wants to give you. But those who don't wholly follow the Lord, they put the responsibility on themselves. And therefore, they only see all the problems, 
all the deterrence to getting into the promises of God. When Joshua and Caleb heard these men, they tore their clothes and they spoke to the congregation. The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. You see, the emphasis of faith of those who wholly follow the Lord is on delighting God on the goodness of his gift, his power, and his presence. It's dependent on God to give me this promise, not on my strength, not on my fortitude, not even on the right circumstances, the right finances. The detractors made the heart of the people melt People wept. They no longer believed God's promise. That was the effect of the detractors. The people wanted to die. Oh, why didn't you just let us die in Egypt or the wilderness? The people were angry with Moses. They talked about choosing a new leader and returning to Egypt. And then they picked up stones to stone Joshua and Caleb for their good report. That's anger. They're like, we don't want to hear about the promises of God. We don't want to hear about delighting God. We are angry that there's work ahead. We're angry that we have to fight, that we have to face these giants before we can get the land. They had more faith in the words of eight grumpy men, eight fearful, faithless spies, than in the God who promised them the land. And because their faith was in the word of grumpy, faithless, fearful men, they had more faith in giants than God's word, more faith in fortified cities than in the power of God, more faith in the enemies than in the presence of the almighty God. Even though they all agreed the land was good, it's a good promise. It's a good promise. You see, there are believers right now that will say it's a good promise, but it's just not for me. Just like I told you about that commentator I read, it's, it's a great promise that Jesus will calm your storm. But did God really say it to you? All scripture is given for, by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction and correction and righteousness. All of it is claimable. All scripture. That would be 2 Timothy 3.16. Only Joshua and Caleb believed that God would bring them in. Their criteria for receiving and claiming the land was simply if we delight in the Lord. If we just follow the Lord, here's, here's what we need to do to have this land. We just have to follow the Lord's instructions. That's all. We have to walk in obedience and listen to him and he'll give it to us. Whereas the eight spies, the people of Israel measured the obstacles against their strength rather than measuring the obstacles against the power of God's word and promise. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. 
At that time, God forbid the rest of the generation of Israel from entering into his promised land. Instead, their children would inherit it. Caleb would inherit it. Numbers 14.24, and God calls him my servant, Caleb. He says he's got a different, a unique, distinguished spirit from everyone else. He follows me wholly. He will come into the land he went. He will inherit it. Numbers 14.30, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in, but your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised because the children of Israel refused to follow the Lord. Their lives were cursed to wander in the wilderness, live without the fulfillment of promise, bear the burden of their infidelity. You know, honestly, if you can't claim the promises of God, your Christianity is going to be just a meandering through the wilderness. If there is no promise to claim, if there is no treasure up ahead, if you can't pray and count on God to fulfill his promises, then life is really fruitless and just meandering. But if you claim and if you hold on to the promise of God, as Caleb did now 45 years later, Caleb is ready to lay claim to the promise of God. He has not forgotten one word of God's promise to him. God promised him the land his foot trod, which was Hebron, the land where the spies saw the giants, the land he traveled through 45 years previously. He has not forgotten that God said, I'll give it to you as an inheritance, a gift dependent on the giver. It is to be for him and for his children and his children's children. This is part of holy following the Lord. Caleb valued the promise of God so much that if you said, hey, Caleb, you got a promise from God? Well, yes, he could tell you where he was when he received it, the situation at the time, the way the others felt, his feelings when he heard it, who said it or confirmed it to him, exactly what the promise was. Can you do that? Can you do that? Can you say, this is how old I was. This is the day. This was the circumstance. And this is word for word what the Lord spoke to me. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help you. Still remember, four years old, in my bed, sounding out those words and laying claim to that promise and sticking my hand outside my cover, saying, okay, hold it, hold it, because it's dark in here. And he's held it ever since. Caleb held fast to the promise of God, and this made him a standout. Philippians 2, 14, 16 tells us that those who hold fast to the word of God will be standouts in this generation. This is what Philippians Paul tells us in Philippians 2, 14 through 16, do all things without murmuring and disputing, without questioning the word of God, without questioning the promise that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. Caleb held fast to the word of life, the word of God, the word of promise. And this made him distinct from his generation. Caleb believed the promise of God, even when others doubted it and denied it. Even when the Israelites were going to stone him, he 
still held fast to the promise of God. He believed in it and he believed in God's power to fulfill the promise more than the power of the giants, more than the fortresses, more than the enemies, more than the fortified armies and raiders, more than the detractors, more than the disappointments, more than the delays. He continued to believe the promise of God. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. Caleb had not been afraid then and he wasn't afraid now. God was greater than the forces against the promise. Caleb wanted the promise. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. Do you want the promises of God? Do you want them? Do you want them? You know, I asked someone the other day, they're going through a horrific situation. I said, what promise has God given you? I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? I mean, the first thing I do is, oh God, speak to me about this situation. Speak to me about, give me a promise. When you wholly follow after the Lord, your outlook on life is completely different. Caleb was able to have a different perspective on everything and it sustained his faith in the midst of adversity. He was able to see things through the greatness of God and trust Him to shoulder the responsibility of fulfilling it. The problems and deterrence that came up against Caleb were the Lord's battles to be faced and victories to be won. Caleb trusted God and waited 45 years to get his land, and he was not disappointed. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll finish our study on the right way to wait as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.